Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast, everybody. My name is Abraham DeWeese, and I am back again with Brian, the Soul Man Solak, one Matthew Page. And who's that over there? Is that Rich Michelson making another appearance? What's up, guys? What's up? Go Rams. Hey. hey. <laughs> Go in- Ingram, Ingram Rams, really? Ingram yes. Rams? Around. Well, hold on. Hold up, everybody. Hold up. I was chastised the very last time Rich Michelson was on this show. All I heard from Matt Page and from the Soul Man after the show is, look, hey, do you really got to keep playing up this whole Rich Michelson? He's a guest on the show. Rich Michelson's from Ingram High School. Rich <laughs> Michelson so lived across of- the street from Abraham. And now- You're so full of, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, hey, I found out my mom went to Ingram High School. I didn't even know that, so I, I have respect. So. Go Rams. Uh, well, <laughs> class. No, no, when you say Rams. Class, class of probably 61, I think. That was about uh, when Rich went. Colorado yeah. That was about when Rich went there, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, okay, yeah. That sounds right. Math <laughs> checks out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. There's a lot going on in sports, and uh, – Let's go ahead and if we could, since we got Rich on, why don't we kick it off with you a little bit and the Seattle Sounders. Nice. Isn't okay. that old school? Is that old school? I like that. Hey, <laughs> I like I, I, as you guys know, I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but every time Rich is on, he just makes that sport interesting. And I have several questions for you tonight, Rich. Hopefully you are ready for them. I will. I will endeavor to be prepared for your uh, your high level questioning. Um, I am super stoked, though, guys. Uh, and and the reason the reason is this: the schedule over the next couple of weeks is awesome. It's got drama, and more importantly, there's a lot of games. So, oh, you might want to change um, your questions, Brian. After that comment, I don't think your first question should be what shape is the ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. What color is Strike that one and move on to the next one. Do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pertaining to what you said, are, are they, from what I was told, they're starting up against the Timbers. Is that correct? Yeah. Sunday, Sunday night, 7 o'clock against the Timbers. And then Wednesday, 7.30 against the Galaxy. Sunday, the next Sunday, against uh, the other LA team, uh, LAFC. Um, and then the next Wednesday against RSL, and then next Sunday against the Portland Timbers, um, and then uh, my birthday, September the 10th, uh, is uh, a Thursday against the Earthquakes. So you have like six games over the next three weeks, um, and these games are on Joe TV, uh, Q13, and uh, a couple of national broadcasts on Fox Sports. Hey, man, don't forget Amazon Prime. Oh, Yeah. That is huge news, guys. I really am so excited about this. So uh, this is a huge deal for um, Sounders fans across the state of the Washington. So for the first time, they're going to have a streaming partner that you can watch. If you're within the borders of the great state of Washington, you can watch. There's no carve-outs. There's none of this ridiculousness where the Timbers somehow get eastern Washington and the Vancouver area. Nope. From From the Columbia to the Canadian border, if you're in Washington, you can watch the Sounders on uh, Amazon Prime. And, uh, I mean, they've they've really kind of rolled out the red carpet for the Sounders. This looks to be a great partnership. 
um, and much better than the previous streaming partners they've had. What? That's, that's quite refreshing s- compared to all the other sports, you know, with all the blackouts and stuff. Hang on. That's, that's- I'm I got sorry to interrupt you, Matt Page. I I, I gotta interrupt uh, the esteemed colleague from uh, uh-huh. Ingram High School right now, right here. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, you have good questions. Solak, I'll let you get to it in just a moment, but you, okay. one rich Michelson, they used what to be on your YouTube. Problem? They used to be on YouTube TV, national audience. Yeah. Well, so that now they're reeling back to just a, a regional. Well, I think it was actually the other way around. Um, YouTube wasn't interested in the continuing the partnership with the Sounders. Oh, um, or, or wasn't more importantly, more likely wasn't willing to pay what the Sounders thought they were worth, and um, wasn't willing to get streaming to the East Side, which is a big deal that the front office has talked about wanting to fix. And uh, the MLS uh, front office has given uh, local teams a lot more autonomy on their streaming partnerships uh, to kind of carve out what they think is important and. That was a big deal for the Sounders. They've had a really strong following from the Dry Siders, East Siders. There's a bunch of supporters groups out there. There's a bunch of soccer bars out there that are, um, uh, you know, that that are really a core part of the Sounders fandom. And And a lot of these fans come over every weekend for Sounders games. I mean, um, so, I mean, the Sounders really wanted to pay that group back. So, I think it's a great deal that they had a partner that's willing to to do that and that they don't have the ridiculousness that if you're in the Vancouver area, you're somehow you have to be a Timbers fan and can only watch Timbers uh, garbage matches. Yeah. I was, I always thought it was kind of weird that root sports, which is owned by the Mariners has an exclusive with the Timbers and you're right. You can watch every Timbers game living in Seattle. And obviously, like you said, Spokane and uh, et cetera, wherever the Mariners broadcast, with the root sports, you can see every Timbers game, but you can't see every Sounders game. I think that deal was signed before the Mariners bought root. I think it's. I think that 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 deal's been in place for quite a while. Yeah, it's a long. It's a it long. Might, term it might deal. be grandfathered in. Yeah, it might, it, so they might change it. You know, five years or whatever when it runs out, and switch to Sounders. Hopefully, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm curious. You say Amazon Prime's carrying them. Do, is, are there certain announcers that do the Sounder games, or just whoever's showing the game? You hear those announcers, or how um, does that work? So, so one of the things that's supposed to work, like one of the problems I have watching the Sounders, is I I use the MLS Live um, app through ESPN uh, Plus, but you get whichever feed the Grand Poobahs at ESPN and MLS decide. So, like about 85% of the time, I get the other teams feed, not the Sounders home, like homes crew. So I don't get any home cooking. I'm, I'm having to listen to the, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, earthquakes, you know, homers talk. And I want to listen to the Sounders homers talk. Um, <laughs> so with this deal, you should get the Sounders crew, all the match day, um, you know, like pregame, you know, obviously the halftime show post game, they're going to do a bunch of extra spots. Production value looks like it's going to be just Super high quality. I mean, um, think. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever go onto the Sounders website and look at some of their, you know, their high quality, high production value content. Like when they sign a new player, they want to do like a, a special feature on a, you know, on a Sounder. Um, so it's going to be stuff like that, but that's going to be available 
statewide. It's going to be on through Amazon, um, and you're going to be able to, you know, you know, get a kind of a broader audience and maybe get a bit more depth of penetration. Think, I mean, think of what you know, like Root Sports has been able to do. Speaking of them over the last say 20 years with the Mariners, well, mind you, the Mariners have been horrible, right? Yeah. But the Mariners are even deeper, like more deeply entrenched into um, the region, because, in part because of their cable partnership with, um, you know, Root Sports and its predecessors. I mean, there's always Mariners content throughout the year on that channel. So it's going to be a streaming version of that uh, with the idea of broadening the fan base and deepening the fan base and maybe taking folks like uh, Brian who uh, who is a you know kind of a fair, more of a fair weather wants to show up and watch the playoffs and maybe against the Timbers and the Galaxy or whatnot maybe we get a little bit more fandom because he's a little bit more interested in the storylines and whatnot so that's that's I think the long term vision um, you know and they they really want to dig into the, uh, the Hispanic fan base that's here as well because um, that group I mean they watch just a crap ton of soccer. Um, mostly like Liga MX and the Latin American leagues, uh, and they want to, you know, get into get into that a little bit more as well. Okay, I'm excited. Any Sounder fans out there, or actually who work for Seattle Sounders, you need to hire Rich. <laughs> I'm going to work on that for you, Rich. Thanks, I appreciate it. I'll I'll, I'll take uh, any 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 gigs I, that can uh, roll my way. Well, you are great at it. Um, can you do a little uh, preview for the upcoming game against the Timbers for us? Yes, yes. So the reigning MLS Cup champion Seattle Sounders have to go up against the reigning uh, MLS COVID Cup. I mean, MLS is back Cup uh, champs, the Timbers. <laughs> so here's something. All, all of the national press the last however long, whenever there's a brand new team coming into the league, all the press wants to basically anoint that new club, the best, like the newest thing, the best thing since sliced bread, um, you know? And so uh, they're, they're always, they're always like, Oh, first it was NOIFC and Orlando city when they came in in 2015. Um, and then it was Atlanta and Minnesota and Atlanta. I'll, I'll be honest. I got to give some serious props there. I mean, they could fill that Mercedes Benz stadium, 70,000 people plus and wow. the first couple of years we were just amazing amazing fun soccer to like to watch think like the soccer version of the greatest show on turf you know that uh, the, the Rams team in the, the early uh, 2000s I mean it was it was the soccer equivalent of that they just attack 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 super fun we're gonna beat you five to four right like it's just there's gonna be goals galore and it was fun and exciting they had lots of young players um, but they've kind of fallen off. They're, they're not, there's a kind of a shell that afforded themselves. They switch managers and whatnot. Same thing kind of with LAFC. That's like, Oh, they came on, they, they do everything the right way. They fill their stadium. They've got, you know, super sexy people like Will Ferrell and Magic Johnson and the ownership group and stuff. And that's really cool. Um, but they haven't had, you know, the sustained success last year. They had a great season. They got knocked out of the playoffs. The Sounders and the Timbers since 2015, have won um, like all of the tournaments basically or gone to the final every single year. One of the two teams has been in the final of every MLS tournament. So uh, MLS Cup champs, Timbers in 2015, Seattle in 2016, Seattle in the final in 2017, Timbers in the final in 2018, 
Seattle champs in 2019. Timbers champs of the MLS COVID Cup is back tournament in Orlando that they just held this year. So really, I mean, I'm going to make the argument that the best two teams in, in Major League Soccer over the, since 2015 are the Sounders and the Timbers. Sustained success at a high level with trophies. I mean, it's, it's so fun, and I think we're so, so blessed to have such a close rival that we can hate, but they're also like, there's also, a, a, I guess, a bit of a camaraderie of like, yes, there's hatred, but it's also like, it's the Northwest versus everyone else. And all, you know, the whole rest of the soccer world can kind of just suck it. <laughs> Where did you come Will up Fett. with Will Farrell, the guy who played Magutu yeah. from Zoolander, is sexy? I, yeah, I was, I was stuck. I'm still processing. He's a Hollywood star. Not that he is physically sexy, but the fact that he's a Hollywood <laughs> star okay. is okay. sexy. All right. Yeah, my brain just kind of stopped when I heard that. I went, wait a second. <laughs> need to think about that. <laughs> uh, before we talk a little bit more about the Sounders, what was the tournament, I mean, I could tell what your opinion was, but was the, the tournament that they just finished, the MLS's back tournament, do you think it was a success or was it a failure? I I think it was a moderate success. I think they certainly spread – um, the word a little bit, they got things done. They were really successful. Um, other than the, the first few uh, couple of weeks where they kicked two teams out of the tournament, they didn't have any positive tests in the staff or the players for the entire tournament. Um, they didn't have people breaking curfew and uh, busting out of the, the quarantine like they did in the NBA um, or in baseball. Um, so that's, uh, that's a positive thing. Um, and it was, you know, it was a good, it was a good fun tournament. Um, and I think they proved uh, them and the NWSL proved that you could do some sort of bubble and be safe and do sports. Um, probably some of that is due to luck, quite frankly, but you know, also, you know, you gotta, you gotta applaud the results. Um, they seem to have, you know, good processes in place, or at least adequate processes, uh, processes in place. Um, so I think it was a moderate success. They certainly expanded um, the eyeballs on them on themselves, and um, I know that their broadcast partners were very pleased that they were able to to pull this off. Um, and ESPN has run out some more uh, Major League Soccer content on their ESPN Plus platform. So uh, ESPN is willing to invest in them. That's usually a good thing. Hey, how about you, Abe? What do you, what do you think of the tournaments? Was it successful? Do you agree with Rich or disagree? a lot of people? A lot of people call it the MLS's blah tournament, and even even Rich with his snide little comment about calling it the COVID Cup. Um, yeah, I know there's a lot of haters out there. I thought it was one of the best things I'd seen on television post COVID at all, and even even pre COVID. I love I love that they thought out of the box and cre- created something that was. Fun and enjoyable, and I wanted to watch every match. I mean, I was watching a little bit of the NBA today. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Like, apparently they had a season before the tournament, and now they have, like, 20 teams and not the standard 16. Um, And we, you know, again, we know who's going to win in the first round of every NBA tournament ever. Like, it's been since 1994 since there's been a surprise in the first round. Well, we yeah. can discuss we can discuss that NBA if you want. After I, th- <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think Portland's going to 
roll over the Lakers in Portland to see today, but we can talk about that later. Oh yeah, maybe maybe the timber <laughs> maybe the Timbers might beat the Lakers, but not the Trailblazers. They lost by oh, thirty. So they're, they're losing by thirty, dude. Dude, yeah, yeah. they won. Big deal. It's going to be tied one to one. Big deal. But look, All right, let's, let's get back let's to get back to, let's to, let's to soccer. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> I, I agree with Abe that it was actually a very enjoyable tournament. I I actually would like to see. MLS do this again, not on an annual basis, but maybe on uh, once every three years or once every four years, get the whole league together, plop them in one spot and do like a league wide world cup types tournament. It was super fun to do group play. It's one of my favorite things about the world cup and about the euros um, because it's just a little bit weird. It's a little bit different and it's always fun to see like who who the the Cinderella of the tournament is. And in this case, it's Orlando uh, City. They made it all the way to the final. They've been horrible since they were an expansion team. They had a, uh, like a good enough team, but with a coach that made them believe and a superstar in Nani that just could like pull all sorts of crazy crap out of his tiny. Um, this is a family show, so I got to say Heine. Um, I mean, just he, he has he had those kind of those moments of magic that, that you watch sports for where you're like, how, how could you possibly do that? You know, like, uh, I mean, the equivalent of like a young Russell Wilson, you know, dancing, running, you know, like 75 yards worth of running to gain like eight for a first down on fourth and eight, you know, that kind of a play, um, is the, is the soccer equivalent of what Nani could do. Just the, the moment of magic, the moment of quality where he just outclasses everyone. And, uh, and Orlando was able to run that all the way to the final. It was super fun to see. So um, I would love to see this on a schedule, kind of like uh, Major League Baseball does with the World Baseball Classic. Oh, I love the Baseball um, Classic. I mean, that's just super fun. Like, I was super skeptical. and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work when baseball ran it out. And now it's like one of the one of the highlights of my baseball experience, especially since I don't get to see a whole lot uh, here in the baseball netherworld of Utah. Basically, on what you just said, is there talk that that might happen? I mean, I think that would be awesome, too. I mean, is there talk in the media about that? Not really. I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been uh, any real push for that. But I would guess that, you know, come the off season, whenever that turns out to be, there <laughs> will be talk of, well, that was really fun. Why don't we do it again? Maybe in a few years. Um and, you know, because I, I think that they really like the concept, the, the league did. I, I think that they, they would like to get some more polish on it and find a good time of year to kind of slot it into the schedule. But quite frankly, I think if they did it as, as like a preseason tournament in February in Orlando, mm. that's kind of perfect because the weather's good there in February. There's nothing else on the schedule. The Super Bowl has just ended. Baseball is not even really a thing. All you've got is college basketball and professional basketball in that window of time. It's kind of an ideal time to, to run something like that. Um, and uh, it would be super fun. Right on, right on. A couple of sounder questions for you. Is center back Yaimar Gomez Andrade, hopefully I didn't butcher that name, enough to fix this defense in your opinion, or is it too far gone at this point? Um, Andrade is enough to fix the defense and as is his partner, who's a little bit loosey goosey in Ariaga. 
Um, Andrade is the calm one. Ariaga is the feisty, like go start, you know, the enforcer, if you will. And the problem is that no one really has talked about. Those two have played one game together the whole season. One. Because they've either both been injured or suspended or sick or on international duty or something. So part of the reason the defense hasn't been super great is that Gustav Svensson, who's a uh, central midfielder and hates playing center back, has had to play some center back. And the other reason is that uh, Shane O'Neill, who's also brand new to the team, just like Andrade, has also had to play some center back. And center back is like a pitcher and a catcher. It's like a shortstop and a second baseman. It's like an offensive line in football. You just need time to build chemistry and build that partnership and that understanding because you're really a two-man unit that needs to think like one person. And they just haven't had the repetitions to do that. This defense will be fine. Brian Schmetzer will make it so. Um, He is a defensive first coach, and um, he was a defensive central midfielder, and then he later he played center back. So he knows what he's, he's about. And um, that's the foundation that all of his teams are built on. He's, he's not really the type of coach to try to win a, a soccer game five to four. It's just not his style. So uh, that was a very long answer. Uh, the short answer is yes. Okay. Abe, do you agree, disagree? Uh, I haven't seen it, Rich, man. I, 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 then again, like you said, they've only been together sparingly. But every time I see Xavier Arriaga, nothing, nothing, man. If every time I every time I see him out there, it's it's not Xavier Ariaga. It's it's Xavier Ariaga. <laughs> Just nothing, man. Uh, I I hear about him all the time from people in the know. That this guy has the speed, the size, the tools, everything that you need. He is he is first class, but um, uh, in action, not seeing him. He gets beat off the ball. Uh, there was a really bad experience. Uh, Ooh, who was it again? Chicago at the at the half. Chicago, yeah, yeah. at the mid midline mark, where he just got beat off the ball, and he's supposed to be the last line of defense man, and guy got right past him like a like a long bomb on Tedrick Thompson of your Seattle yep. Seahawks. Um, <laughs> at least yeah. no longer, no longer of your Seattle Seahawks. So I, I agree with you. He certainly made some just boneheaded errors. Here's the good news. He's still young, especially for center backs. Center backs are super weird. Um, They're kind of like catchers as far as their aging in that they don't really hit maturity until about three to four years after other positional players do. Just kind of like a catcher probably isn't worth anything until they're like 26 anyway. Same kind of a deal with uh, with center backs. They really just don't have enough repetitions, enough on-field experience. And they're just more prone. The mistakes they're, they're prone to make are worse because they're closer to goal. And we saw that. Here's the good news. Every boneheaded play he's made is coachable. Like This is not him uh, just not having the talent because, well, he does make boneheaded plays. He also steps up in, say, I don't know, the Western Conference Finals and blasts Carlos Vela, who has the best season ever in MLS history, blasts him off the field makes him look like a chump as the Sounders basically bum-rushed uh, LAFC at, at LA 3-1. Uh, to one. So 
Uh, he can certainly do it against the best in the league. It's just a matter of consistency at this point. Uh, next question. I, I thought my producer, when he sent me the notes for the show, misspelled the name, but according to online, he actually got it correct. Um, but I don't, is his name Joao Paulo? In the midfielder for the Sounders? Is that how you pronounce yes. it? Joao Paulo. Joao Paulo. Okay. Is he going to, my question is, is he going to do anything for this team? Because he was missing in the MLS tournament. Uh, short answer, yes. Uh, he was fabulous in the Champions League, uh, the two games that they did get to play before they got knocked out on penalties. Um, he he is a pure midfielder. He can do it all. Um, he, but he's going to slot in, um, in a, as a different type of defensive midfielder, central midf- midfielder, uh, more of a control-the-game type rather than what we used to are used to with Ozzy Alonso being the physical enforcer who's going to run down the ball, crush the guy with a bone-crushing tackle, take the ball, and then run it down the uh, opponent's throat. Like, that's just not his game. He's more the type that's going to lull you to sleep, kind of like with short, crisp passes, you're not paying attention, and the next thing, he's lobbed the ball over the top to Jordan Morris, 40 yards you know, down the field, you know, perfectly placed, um, and Morris is in, uh, you know, running right at the goalkeeper. So, um, his passing is superb. He's an offensive force. Um, he can really get into the attack. More to the point, he thinks and moves like uh, Nicholas Ladero, the attacking midfielder, um, and the captain for the, the Sounders, and uh, can really help unlock a defense, especially if a defense goes after uh, Ladero and just hacks him to death. You know, like Hack-A-Shack back in the day, it's, it's Hack-A-Ladero. Uh, there are matches where he gets hit uh, between 10 and 20 times where he's put on the ground by the opposition. Um, there have been several times uh, where he's been fouled more than 10 times in the game. Uh, Nicholas Ladero, since he came into MLS in midseason in 2016, is the league leader in times fouled, and it's by more than 200 than the next closest player. So, um, Which is ultimately fascinating. Point, it's ultimately fascinating. Yeah. Uh, to give a to give a cogent paradigm or a good example for you, Matt Page, if you don't understand those other words, um, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There's the indignation. Okay, uh, no, uh, it's it's fascinating because the the Nicolodero type that'd be like saying you're throwing uh, you're throwing inside on Edgar Martinez. It's it doesn't really make a difference, does it, Rich? Like they try to wear him it, down, but it, it doesn't seem to hurt his game. It, it doesn't hurt his game, I don't think, necessarily in a big uh, – in, in, let's say 90% of the games, it doesn't matter. He's, he's usually resilient and whatnot, but it does wear on him physically. And uh, there have been a number of times that Sounders, maybe they're depleted a little bit or uh, they're just not on that game. And they haven't been able to punish other teams for fouling Ladero as much. And so – Paolo gives them an, an additional dimension, another player that's of really high quality and that um, is maybe just another fulcrum to attack and, and maybe an option where they can use Nicholas Oladero a little bit as a decoy and use uh, Paolo as kind of the point guard for the offense. Well, see, uh, and that's the big thing right there, right, Rich, is that they've never had 
they've never had two guys that could simultaneously be the cam, uh, the central attacking midfielder. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So you have exactly. It's it's like coming at it's like coming at uh, back in the back in the old days with the Sonics. Uh, it's like having both Nate McMillan and Gary Payton on the on the in the backcourt. Exactly. That's two point guards, and they're both shooting guards. What are you going to do? You can't stop them both. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. It's it's uh, it, it it just adds just I mean a he's just a really high quality player so like he's going to be better than whoever took his place like Jordi Delam or say Handwala Buana or whatnot he's just a better player all around but he also um, he he can lead the offense and then let uh, Nicholas Ladero kind of run into the play after the fact and he doesn't have to be the one both passing and then getting in and trying to score as well. You know, like you can be the one receiving the ball close to goal and shooting or laying it off to Morris or Rui Diaz uh, to score. So it, it just gives them that much more flexibility, makes them that much more dangerous. I'm, I am super excited. Here's the other great thing. Um, he's really a great leader. Um, in the Champions League, when Ladero was out with a uh, with long-term tendonitis injury, uh, Paolo... Uh, led the defense, organized the midfield, ran the offense, and uh, was feisty, uh, was willing to get into it with the players from Olympia. Uh, and that team is like uh, the worst kind of hack-a-shack type of team, just always uh, cutting down the sounders all over the field. So and, folks, was, that is, really cool. and folks, that's CD Olympia in Honduras, not the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. <laughs> Uh, did we lose you? Everyone's here. Everyone's here. Oops, did I lose you? I, I got another. I, can you hear us? Oh Gabe? yeah, yeah. Apparently, I okay. made fun of I made fun of the Ever, Evergreen State College, and they turned off my internet. Um, yeah. Oh. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, karma, karma. <laughs> I I have a question from my. Pre-show, pre-show research, Mr. Paulo. Uh, I saw they signed him earlier this year. Major League Soccer has a salary cap, um, just like most American sports leagues do uh, of some version. And um, like most uh, clubs, or sorry, most uh, leagues, uh, their salary cap has a bunch of exceptions. The designated player rule used to be called the David Beckham rule. It's how they were able to get David Beckham to come to Major League Soccer, pay him a salary way more than the salary cap otherwise would have allowed. That has been expanded over the years, uh, basically to the point where you can have three of these players that break the bank, as it were. You can pay them whatever you want, uh, both in, in terms of acquisition costs, uh, called a transfer fee, as well as their day-to-day salary. You can just blow as much money as you want on these three players. Um, so he is one of the three. Um, so, you know, typically you would pay that for uh, mostly for offensive players or, or central midfield. So he fits the bill. And uh, usually they're, you know, an order of magnitude better than the next, you know, uh, the otherwise – uh, highest paid players, you know, below those three players. So they're going to be a lot better. Uh, in this case, it's uh, Nicholas Ladero, who I mentioned, uh, Raul Rui Diaz, who's the the striker, the center forward, 
for the Sounders and uh, now Jao Jao Paulo. Um, and that's where Garrett. That most Sounders fans might be surprised that Jordan Morris is not a designated player. He's on a kind of the next tier down. Think of like a mid-level exception type thing, uh, NBA equivalent. Uh, okay. So that's yeah, the, so he's, that's he's the, getting a, a lot more as well. So and Rich, not not as much as you guys. Rich, that's the amazing thing about this, right? Gareth Augerway, the uh, GM, or they call him technical director of the Sounders, he doesn't use this. He doesn't use those slots to get somebody who is a name brand, household name, somebody that sells jerseys. He uses it to get actual good players, right? Uh, yes. He has extensively scouted right now the uh, South American transfer market. Um, all three of the Sounders, uh, you know, designated players are from um, South America. And so Rui of- Diaz is Peru. Yep. What and, was that, Abe? Oh, I was going to say, most importantly, they're guys in their late 20s rather than a 35-year-old who was famous 10 years ago in Europe, right? Exactly. Yeah, he is. he's definitely gone away from that. Um, most importantly, I mean, for those of you who like analytics and whatnot, he is always looking for the undervalued player, the inefficiencies in the market. So he's, he's openly talked about right now it's South America. Um, and, you know, at some point it might be Eastern Europe, it might be Asia. Um, the Sounders have scouts everywhere, um, but right now their primary target is Latin America. Uh, so, for example, Rui Diaz was the leading scorer in the Mexican League, Liga MX. Uh, he was he won the Golden Boot the year before the Sounders signed him uh, for his team there. So, uh, And he's a national team player uh, for the Peruvian national team. Ladero is a national team player for Uruguay and uh, was a leader on his team in South America, uh, in Argentina, the Boca Juniors, um, and Jao Paulo. Uh, this is one of these kind of like low, uh, low risk, high reward plays. He was injured the last three years off and on for his team in South America. Previously that he was on a path to go to Europe and get signed by one of the big clubs there and, uh, just kind of got ravaged with injuries and couldn't, couldn't really, you know, get over that. So this is a bit of a, a possible redemption for him, um, He's a little bit older than um, the other two were when they came on. He's 29 right now, um, but it's a, again, it's a it's a low cost, high reward um, play, which I'm you know all about. I wish that the Mariners would do stuff like this. <laughs> Are these one year deals and year by year deals with for the designated player? Just curious. No, no, they're not. Typically, okay. they're three to five year commitments, and. Um, so one of the things that you guys uh, will like is that they do a ton of analytic work. They look at all the stats that are compiled by the different stat people and, and try to get all the in-depth you know, uh, analytics. But they also do old-school scouting in person as well as via video. And uh, Loggerway has talked about it that they also bring the player in for a couple of days at the facility before they sign the contract. And he says that that is actually a really important part of their process, that if they don't think that they can get on with this player, if it's just not a good fit, they're not going to sign them. Even if they get them like to Seattle to sign them, they want to see the player in person, see how they act, see what kind of person they actually are because they're making such a big commitment. And if you screw up one of these signings, it can sink your club for the next, you know, three to five years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it can just really, really, really screw up. I'll give you an example. Toronto who won the, um, the championship 
in 2017 um, against the Sounders, they for 10 years were horrible because they had terrible management and just signed a string of these designated players that just came one year and left the next. It came the next year and just they could never get a rhythm. They could never find the right players until their management kind of got things figured out. And then they signed three really great ones and went on a really great run while they were all on the team. So you could also um, take a look at right. You could also take a look at Zlatan Ibramovic, who the yeah. Galaxy the Galaxy went all in on, um, had no money for anybody else. He's gone, and now they're one of the worst teams in soccer. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, I learned a lot. I'm glad I asked that. Right on. Um, last sounder question I got for you. Their their record is currently two one and two with eight points, and they're I believe they're in fifth place. Uh, do we have a chance? Did the Sounders have a chance? Uh, yes, yes. The Sounders um, have never missed the playoffs. Um, that is like the minimum bare bones standard. This has been a wackadoodle season. I mean, if you're talking about raw talent, the Sounders are a top three team in MLS on raw talent. But if you're talking about raw talent plus coaching plus experience plus um, kind of attitude, this team is 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 well positioned to make a run, go for the regular season title, go for the MLS Cup. Uh, quite frankly, this team they have right now is quite possibly the best Sounders team ever collected in talent. And unlike, say, 2013, where they had so much raw talent, but were, like, super dysfunctional, um, say, like the 94 Sonics. Uh, yeah, we're not, we're not looking at something like that. This, this team is super well-positioned. Um, I think they just had a rough, a rough tournament uh, with some key injuries at key spots and just the weirdness of COVID. So... Um, plus they are always uh, seem to be a second half team. So, Okay. And then I actually got one more question. You may have briefly mentioned this earlier, but are there any key injuries right now or are we healthy enough to make that run? We are healthy enough to make that run. There are no, uh, no injuries, um, on the team, even, Oh, uh, a bright note, Brian, uh, Will Bruin, who's the backup striker. Um, he was a starting striker in 2017 when we went to MLS cup, um, he, uh, is also known as affectionately as the dancing bear. Um, uh, long story, uh, regardless, he is back. Uh, he had an ACL injury last year, blew out his knee mid season, he rehabbed and he did score the only goal that we scored against, uh, LAFC when the game we lost four to one. So it was good to see him on the field. He just does things differently than the other uh, offensive players the Sounders have. He's just got a bit of a skill set that no one else does. Um, and so having that flexibility is good. It'll also be really crucial to have him because, like I mentioned, uh, the Sounders are basically playing two games a week for the next four weeks. And normally soccer teams play like three games over, uh, you know, maybe uh, three games weeks. every two weeks or five games every four weeks, it's, uh, it's going to be really hard. They're going to have to rotate a lot of the squad to keep people fresh and not have injuries. So having Bruin back, I think, is a really good sign for the Sounders. Well, I am so, glad, I am so glad you stopped uh, when you were discussing the dancing bear. Because when you talk about dancing bears, I think about Aurora and 105th and a club called Dancing Bears. <laughs> 
You must anyway. have went there many times, huh? <laughs> I only heard about it from Rich. I have no idea. Oh, okay. But, uh, let's let's talk about a little uh, sketch. A little, a little sketch there. It's a balloon place, right? Um. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about sure. our Wazoo Cougars. Uh oh. All right. We are yeah. talking about uh, them Wazoo Cougars. How about them Cougars? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you for making my making my frown turn into a smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're going to talk about more things to make you frown. Uh, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm doing I'm doing well. You know, the uh, uh, Vogelbach is off this team. I know Rich is Rich is doing well. MLS is coming back. Matt's doing well. He got some disgusting Oregon Ducks tennis shoes the other day. Oh yeah. Um, yeah good so let's talk Wazoo and how the soul man is doing. Apparently uh, there's a mass exodus going on. Players are leaving left and right. What's going on. Soul man. Jumping ship. I, I, I wide receiver Tay Martin who's a senior in, in our, in our Skylar Thomas or, or I believe he's a senior safety announced within the last week that they are leaving the program. They're going in through the, to the transfer portal. And I don't get it. I, I know a lot of the teams are postponing their season until supposedly the spring, but th- these guys, these guys have full scholarships, and I, I don't see what I, I don't understand why they're making this move. No team that's going to play in the fall or is going to pick these guys up. They're, they're. I'm angry. I, I, I don't understand. I mean. I want answers and I'm hoping you guys can help me answer why, why would some, you know, SEC team pick these guys up or. Wait, are it, you it, saying, it, are you saying they suck? They, 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 they don't deserve to go to, you know, a better program. These guys are good, good people. I mean, T Martin's got a kid and he's got a family and he, he has sucked over the years to where I've berated him. Uh, probably in one or two of my articles on salesportsunion.com. <laughs> I mean, he, he and I have had discussions, believe it or not, on through Messenger on Twitter. The oh guy is gosh. weird. But, I mean, he's got talent. That's but... a cool detail, man. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> done. You're referring to better programs. Are you implying that Wazoo isn't the top-tier program that you, you claim it is? We're a good program. We're not top tier. I've never said the words top tier, so don't get me don't get me started on that. Okay, everybody, um, everybody. I just want to say, hang on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, soul man. When you talk okay. about you and uh, is it was it Skylar Thomas that you've been conversing with? Um, no, uh, Tay Martin. Tay Martin. Tay Martin. I kind of think like these conversations go like this. You come in with that music, and then you just. What happens when you call yourself the greatest of all time, and you're not me? (laughs) Wow, you know me too well. (laughs) Tom Brady, you just made the list. (laughs) But not Tom Brady. Obviously, you said. I get what you mean. You, you said Tamar. Well. Yes. 
All right. So, uh, so okay, you, an- you want answers. You want answers. I just happen to know two gentlemen who have answers. They don't completely understand the question often. But Rich Michelson, Matthew Page, why would these, uh, why would these guys want to leave Wazoo? Because they want to play. Because they want to. They 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 don't believe that Pac-12 is going to play and the and Big Ten are going to play in the spring, and they they still somehow believe that the SEC and the ACC and the uh, Big 12 are actually going to play in the fall. And these things, you know, that, that they they they're frustrated at the at the delay, and they and no one knows if they're going to actually be able to get a season in before the draft. And you know, these kids have. You know, you don't get to you don't get to be a senior year, senior on the the first squad of of a uh, NCAA team without having some kind of dream of playing in the NFL. So BYU starts on August, or I mean, I'm seeing uh, se- September seventh. Um, I think they might be the first game. How would these guys even get on a team in that three two three weeks? They wouldn't. I, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Brian. I, I, I don't see these guys getting picked up in time. I think these rosters are already full at this point. I think they're making the move too late. Um, but I can understand their, their, uh, their frustration at the pause and the delay. What about my frustration? Why don't they respect my frustration? Because, I mean, because they're throwing away, they're throwing away their, their college football career. they they're throwing away possibly their scholarship for their last year in college. Because in their view, there may not even be a last year in college in terms of for school. I mean, not for school, for uh, for the game. The Pac-12 for now has suspended it until spring, and they don't know if they're going to play in spring. They may not even play in spring. Well, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here. T- two things. Um, there's this, you know, there's stories out there. It looks like a lot of these players will get an, uh, quite possibly get another year of eligibility, um, is the first thing. The second thing is like, I am mad as hell at the NCAA. They have shown not even like a lack of leadership, like negative leadership on this. Um, discussions should have been done. There should be a centralized policy. We should either have a college football season or we should not. It shouldn't be this patchwork garbage that's that's happening right now, um, especially with states like Texas, Florida, and Georgia, you know, are all college football hotbeds leading the way as far as COVID-19 cases rising and accelerating. So um, let's be honest. I mean, the odds of getting through an entire season are, are, are very, very, very low. The only thing the NCAA has come out and said is that they will not allow liability forms to exist. In other words, the, 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 the big cop out and the big alternative is that teams should offer um, the play, let the, let, play, let the players play as long as they sign a liability, you know, waiver. And NCAA has said those don't exist. And so that's the, yeah, that's the only guidance they've given. And I, I agree with you. I think what it comes down to, and I said this last week is that is that no one wants to tell Texas they can't play football, and and somebody's going to have to, and they're playing chicken right now, and and somebody's going to have to sit Texas down and explain to them, in the land where football is more important than oxygen, that <laughs> football is going to have to be paused for this fall. We're gonna, we're we're in a we're in a world 
event. It's the exception. It's a one-time thing. It's for everyone's safety. There's no way they can protect these kids if they're playing it. And, and, and they begin to have to sit it down, but no one wants to be that the first guy to say it because they will be crucified. Absolutely. I mean, they'll get death threats. They, it, it'll be that bad. And, you know, well, especially I mean, in this divisive country as we are right now and everyone being so polarized, they will get death threats against them for, 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 for telling Texas they can't play football. So yeah. everyone's just kind of bracing. And I honestly don't know if, how many games are going to be played this year. So I think we went down the wrong path here because everything you guys are saying, I mean, it's pretty common sense and we've discussed it on the show previously. I'd like to get back to what soul man was yeah. talking about. Why would these, why would Are these two guys? It? Yeah. Why would they leave? What sense does that make? And I kind of think about it from this perspective. If you're a senior and you, you know, you, you, you see this whole pandemic thing going on and you have like one year left as maybe a graduate transfer, you can actually pick your, pick your, you know, pick where you want to go. You could still play in spring and not have to sit out. Yes. Um, but that mean, you know, so I don't think they're going to the sec or anything like that is what I'm trying to say. I think they, I think they're trying to because that's that's the that's where the games are going to be played, and that's where the media is going to be focused, and that's where everyone's going to be watching. No, but no, no, and, no and, offense to Solak, but those guys aren't good enough to play in the SEC. I agree with well, you. Well, that's though. what he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, then um, they, they yeah. might be. They might be good enough to latch on to Vanderbilt or <laughs> uh, Kentucky. Play for Coach Leach, maybe. maybe uh, no, no, Leach actually doesn't like Skylar Thomas. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's the rumor right now is that uh, those two got into it. Now Rolovich and Thomas are getting into it. Maybe, maybe yeah, he, he, he might be burning some bridges. But I kind of think more like maybe these two guys are looking at like, okay, when the Pac-12 starts back up, if they start back up, I've got a shot in spring. If they don't start back up, I can just apply as a graduate transfer, uh, you know, to whoever wants me in 2021, fall 2021. Well, and like like Rich said, there it's it, it, it's possible that they might be crediting some of these players with another season, uh, another year of eligibility due to the situation. If, if if there is no spring games of any kind, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll grant the seniors one more year of eligibility. Oh, you really have um, you really have to like your talents though, because right now you'll have about two classes worth of talent coming in from high school. So yeah, I yep. mean. It, gonna have to, they're going to have to expand the, the, the scholarship allowances for a short period while they let the glut go through. You know? or, or, or they're going to have to look at places like southern Mississippi or places that are below the food chain, uh, you know, from Wazoo. Hey, go play for Appalachian State. They're, a, they're an FBS team now, and they're pretty yeah. good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Either way, Skylar, Skylar Thomas, Tay Martin, stupid choices. I hope you hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did, so they made your I list. Missed. We got it. Um, they made yeah. my list. Yes. <laughs> question for everybody on here. All you guys are college football nerds. Is this a sign of things to come? Will there be a mass exodus from the Pac-12? Do you see the Pac-12 slipping to a mid-major level? 
I'll go first. I, 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 I thought they've been slipping for quite a while with dip. <clears throat> you know what? Larry Scott and Char- is it Larry Scott, right? He's yeah. Running the, yeah. yeah. With him in charge. He, he's ruined this conference. I think we're downhill. I, I, I've been, yeah, we're, we're definitely now mid major in my opinion. He, he's a, he's the worst guy ever to run a conference. I'm trying to, I'm, I want to swear so badly right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to agree. I have to agree with Brian that, that it is time for Larry Scott to go. It is time to get someone who can actually negotiate with uh, the Eastern TV moguls, executives, et cetera, to get the Pac-12 back to the preeminent top two position that it should be in in college football along with the SEC. Um, There is no reason that a conference with California, with the heritage, with the the fact that it is the hosting conference for the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, should not be – you know, basically the crown jewel or the the second place uh, conference uh, in in football, and um, uh, I mean, right now we're we're kind of duking it out with the Big Twelve, which is pathetic uh, for like fifth place of the big you know the Power Five. Um, but but let's be real, the gulf between the Power Five conferences and everyone else has never been bigger. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I have to say that, yes, at the moment, um, it, we I would put us, yeah, tied for fifth with the Big 12. I agree with Rich. We should be, we should be definitely a, a power, at the very least on the level of the Big 10, because they're our bestest buddies, um, you know, and, and we've always had a great uh, relationship, you know, Pac-12 has always had a great relationship with the Big 10 and, and you know, good parity there. Um, I think Larry Scott should be fired, uh, and I think someone should be brought in who can handle the changing face of college football. I think what we need to do is we need. I think Pac-12 needs a new face, someone who can who can analyze this minefield that we're walking into, the new changing, shifting paradigm um, that is college football with uh, compensation for students, and 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 really, you know, get on the get on the the forefront with that, and and maybe. You know, we have an opportunity if we if we lead with that, we could re- restore our, our, the, the formal glory um, overall. Uh, and, but it would take somebody a lot smarter than Larry Scott to do that. Um, but the other thing is, I just wanted to say one other thing: there there always is a natural ebb and flow when it comes to programs and 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 teams and colleges and powerhouses and dynasties within college football. And I do think that in time power will flow back to the west coast and usc will restore itself and you know ucla will have will put together some good years and 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 you know some of these other you know, uw and and oregon and you know the cal maybe will find something or some new stanford will re- regain its it's you know its power its power um you know i think i think it, it there's an ebb and flow eventually alabama's got a fold and you know, there will be a, a shift in power at that point, and and I think if we get the right, if the Pac-12 gets a new leader in there that can can really 
aid the players and getting the the, uh, the the power that they want and the support that they want and the compensation packages that they want, then we can start drawing more talent back west. To quote the mighty Thor from the comics, not from the movies, not Chris Hemsworth, but the actual comics, Marvel Comics, okay? I say to thee, nay, this does not happen. I don't think that the Pac-12 can match other conferences. Talking about the Pac-12 as a whole, not individual schools. So make that clear. I don't think the Pac-12 as a whole can match compensation packages to athletes that other conferences could, just not in the psyche of West Coast universities. I think there's going to be a crumbling, uh, and it might just be a situation where only the biggies like USC or in Oregon and UW survive at a high level. Well, don't forget. Yeah. In the past, I mean, USC has bought a house for, for their players. So they're just as corrupt as Alabama and Florida state. No, 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 no. no. I'm talking about money. Hang on, hang on. You were talking about compensation packages. Uh, yeah, no, I, the, I'm just saying, like, the money is there. They're they're willing they're willing to, to, to spend it on, on the resource. I understand what you're saying is that the mentality uh, in the West Coast isn't as, pri- you know, it, football isn't as big a priority in the West Coast as it is in the, in the deep south. Yeah. So I'm afraid and, there's going to be a collapse to the Pac-12 here. I don't think we'll ever see a collapse. Well, I, don't I, think, think, I think the program... I don't think we'll ever fall all the way down to the next level of conferences. Uh, yeah, maybe it looks like something different, but I, I don't see Wazoo or Oregon State being able to pay, you know, a living wage to players. I don't ever see that happening. It'll, it'll come out of the, um, out of the bowl revenue. It'll come out of the revenue, the yeah, the revenue sharing, and you know, yeah, it'll come Wazoo. out of the revenue sharing. Well, the it's like thirty million dollars a year in revenue sharing from the Pac-12. Yeah. They make a lot of money. There's there's money for the for the players. Is there? I was going to say that the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is the most egalitarian of all of the conferences as far as um, being all for one and one for all. Um, and uh, they they understand the that that they have to boost up the smaller schools. Um, to some semblance of parity you don't, to have a functional conference. You don't, though. Where do you think you, you don't, though? Because, where do you think all the money came from for Martin Stadium to be completely redone and all that field? Yeah, I yeah mean, uh, no, I, I, I get that. But once you start adding uh, salaries to athletes, that's a cost. Um, yep. And you're not paying football players, remember. You're paying all the Olympic sports, all, all the, the women's athletes. sports. So this is... You know, you're talking about 500 athletes, not you know, not 20. Sure. Um, so you got to you got to pay them. You got to pay uh, uh, presumably other expenses as well. So you're gonna have to find more revenue, and I don't know where. You know, you guys are saying like, you know, just share some revenue. Um, why? Why should? Because because you got Uncle Phil over there, Matt, at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. worry about it? Why not just join a conference where other schools can match the amount that uh, that Oregon pays? Because colleges colleges are all about tradition, and the pack the pack is one of the you know the most famed and most illustrious conferences there is. Period. 
and host to the granddaddy of them all, the the best bull, the only bull that matters. You know, name a player. Um, name a player before Wheaton. You can't. No player. Oregon. No Oregon players before Wheaton existed. Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts. Okay, there you go. And, There's uh, one. What's his, what's his name? <laughs> Rashawn Salam. Well, he went to yeah, he went good. to Colorado. Colorado. No, not him. Sorry. The uh, oh man, he was a running back for Oregon. I'm I'm totally screwing it up. Yes, you are. <laughs> the point uh, is, the point anyway, is your tradi- no. traditions. Yeah, I mean that's that's all well, fine and dandy, but I mean like when it comes to money, when it comes to money, plenty of traditions have been killed. The other, okay. Well, the the other the other the other shoe here to drop is that we don't really know exactly what these compensation packages will look like. We don't know what the colleges will be willing to give their, the, the student athletes and you know, what the negotiations will eventually reach. And it may just become the, you know, maybe, maybe the, all the players unionize across the country and they, and they go and they negotiate with the NCAA and there's a state, you know, minimum wage or, or maybe it's negotiated conference to conference, like you're talking about, and 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 it might be different. But mm. you know, we'll have to see. We'll money's have to see, money's you know? got to come from somewhere, dude. It, it does. It doesn't but it, just. But the thing is, the thing is, is they have the money. No, they don't. You, you're yeah, acting like everybody's Oregon. Deal. Everybody's not Oregon. Wazoo's no, running on saying. a string on a shoestring. Wazoo, Wazoo gets thirty million dollars a year from the pack yeah. in the revenue sharing model. Okay. That's thirty million dollars. There's yeah. you, you have to pay your your what two hundred and fifty scholarship athletes uh, minimum wage for the hours that they train you don't and know, then they play. You don't know that that's, it's minimum that's wage. Like, that's like five percent, not even five percent of that of that money. I mean, that you, you you can find a way. The money is there. Is they it, just the colleges I mean, are so greedy now. They'll raise tuition if they have to. They, they I mean the colleges are so greedy now. They will find a way. The money exists. They just don't want to part with it. Oh, wow. You just act like there's this giant pot of money. And you talk about greed, but you're not looking at the greed of other colleges. Do you think USC really is sitting there thinking, hey, I want to go down with this sinking ship and I could probably join the Big 12? Like They can't. They could. Okay. They could. The Big 12 is is a sinking is a, is a ship that's sinking a little far faster than the Pac-12 because yeah. it's owned if, by Texas. If the, the big, Texas. if the Big 12 were smart. They would. They would. They're not. <laughs> if they were, that's that's they why they not. lost Nebraska and Colorado. Is yeah. Okay. Well, hang on. Hang on. Well, hang on. Stop. 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 I want to at least make my point before you cut okay, me off here. Ahead. Is is you know if you take a look at the powerhouse teams in college, screw conferences. Conferences, they're stupid at this point. I think I think the power teams should all combine and pay their pay their players. I don't know if you should subsidize these smaller colleges that can't keep up. Unfortunately, you're, that's just, that's the existing power structure and you're going to it would take an, a massive undertaking from a NCAA that as Rich pointed out is fairly absent when it comes to leadership um, to, to direct that. So in, in the meantime, no, it wouldn't, it would just take one, it would just take a bunch of teams. For example, look at the big 12, they decided, you know what, teams want to leave, don't care as long as Texas gets their uh, TV deal and they get to keep Oklahoma. They're happy having twelve little or ten little uh, dwarves, uh, you know, to to feed them easy victories. 
and they still can't win. Well, yeah, that's there's that. But I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you guys, super conferences on is they're on the way. They're on the way. I it, it all depends on how the student compensation plays out. Oh, the student compensation is going to get we, which we insane. don't know. Insane. Some of these colleges it, are going to pay those players insane amounts. There's there's going to have to be there's going in in order to avoid corruption like that. There's going to have to be some some rules. There's going to have NCAA cap? is going to have to step in and put some limits. Yeah. The NCAA, you guys just admitted they don't do anything. They just twiddle well, their they, thumbs. Right now, right now, hey, hey, Reggie Bush had to give back his Heisman trophy because they USC bought a house for his his mom. Yeah, twenty that's and, twenty and, years ago. I'm not that concerned about it. No, but because I'm now saying, you can I'm take. Saying they, they're watching now, for that shit. Understood, but now you can take endorsement deals. It's a different yeah. situation. Twenty twenty five years ago, it was different. Right now, They'll you have can to, take endorsement deals. That I know, and I'm saying there will have to be some regulations, and the NCAA will have to step in, and we don't know what that will look like. Is what I'm saying. Ah, they're weak and ineffective. They're feckless. Can I? Can I can I break up the argument with a different college question real quick? Yes. No. Please? No. You yes. You will argue just it, like Brian. the rest of us. Brian. Just ask. Just start <laughs> arguing. If the, Pac, if the Pac-12 and Big 12 are tied for number five, is there a good conference like number six on the cusp of the taking Mac. over? The Mac. You, you think the Mac? The Mac is, is quietly really good and fun to watch. The guys, Mac is, is fun to watch. Um it's probably as fun as the old whack was back in the uh, the yeah. 80s and the 90s. It's as balanced, far as too. It's balanced. It's competitive. It has interesting offense rather than everyone running the same, the same offense uh, all the time. The only complaint about okay. it is that it has 17 directional Michigan colleges, apparently. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, it's, it, I think I think Mac the Mac is 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 the highest of the the rest. Here's here's the one problem about uh, about the super team idea is that while everyone in theory would love maybe to have some super conference of just the very biggest and best teams, the the problem is who's to say that those are the biggest and best teams. I'll just give an example. Everyone thinks of Nebraska as a really big team, right? Mm-hmm. No, but no, I they don't. weren't always. Uh, well, no, like when we were growing up That's in the '90s, Abe, yeah. Nebraska yeah. was correct a humongous team. They're not right now, correct. right? But there was a 20-year window of time when they were. Yep. Same thing with University of Miami. Exactly. Throughout the '80s and the yeah. '90s. Okay. What, what are your? So what, hang on. Let me stop. Let me stop you right there. That, let me stop you right there. You need to define what is the big. What, what do you mean by biggest? Well, set that's the parameters. The problem. That's the problem. It is. Yeah. The problem. I've already. Teams, I've already told you what it is. It's revenue. Tradition. It's revenue. Oh, revenue. Yeah. Or just just revenue. So the we're just going to put the, the when biggest, I say biggest teams. I'm talking revenue. Yeah. Okay, so the, the, the Notre Dame like, and Texas and Alabama, oh, and the four and the four yeah. and eight Texas Longhorns are in that in that group. Okay, yeah. And Notre Dame that hasn't won anything since Lou Holtz was a head coach in 1988. Mm-hmm. And hey, Michigan, which has been down, yeah. and yeah, and yeah. Ohio State. The teams so we're not going to we're not going to include Clemson, USC. which has won like 
three out of five national titles. They make a lot of money. They're really not a big revenue. They really yes, aren't. Actually, they are. They're, they're, they're not compared. Not compared to those not other comparatively. schools. Not comparatively. Uh-huh. They're not even. They're not. In, they're not even on the level of USC. Uh, of course not. Yeah. USC is at the top tier. Um, with the what I'm talking about is you take the top fifty. Okay, can we not talk about the top five? Let's talk about because you don't make a conference out of five teams. T- take the top twenty. Take the top fifty. I don't care what big number you want. Shouldn't those revenue teams be competing against each other, especially considering, because I don't believe in your salary cap. I don't think that's ever going to happen. If you're going to start playing payers, playing, paying players, paying players, shouldn't yeah. you, <laughs> shouldn't you be on a level set instead of, instead of, you know, some, uh, some team like central Michigan, like we were talking earlier, um, who might not be able to even pay minimum wage. They might have to give up on football if they can't, you know, pay all their athletes. So, I mean, shouldn't you consider why? I mean, right now it's already segregated, guys. The, the Power Five have excluded 50 teams out, out, of, out of the, you know, out of the big money. So why yeah. not just go to the next step? Because as Rich was making the point, there is a natural ebb and flow to, to, uh, to dynasties and to programs. And... And yeah, there's, there, you know, during one decade there's a juggernaut of Nebraska, and the next decade they're a they're a ghost, and you know, and and Miami, and you know, you can go down the list. Uh, Alabama's run of dominance will end at some point, hopefully. I'm, I, I really hope so. And, and you know, I mean, uh, you know, and so forth. I mean, there was a day when Clemson wasn't great, and for, for you wins, know, and so forth. For wins and losses, you guys are correct, but again, I'm talking about money. The same teams that are always making money, and, with the exception of Oregon. And, with the exception of Oregon, all the teams that were making money are still making money for the last hundred years. You guys know it's well, true. yes, to a certain extent. All right, I'm right. But if Great. you go by that, if you go by that, you're going to cut out some, some colleges. There are colleges that 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 have a they put together a streak and they they earn a lot of money. Nebraska is right now not earning as much money as they used to. Nope. You know because they're they're being they're terrible. Good rebuilding. You know, and like, uh, what about say Syracuse, right? Let's just like take an eighties and nineties, seventies, eighties and nineties kind of, you know, like second tier juggernaut, right? Dominated uh, the big East. He was a main rival for Miami with Miami in that conference. They made a crap ton of money in football. Where are they now? They're like, I don't know, an eighth rate football power. Right. Yep. So I they, think that somebody like that would thing, somebody like that would drop out of that super conference that I'm talking about voluntarily. But how? Voluntarily. It, They'd say we can't not, we can't not, pay this much money. But, okay. So but how do you get back in? Like how like if you'd have people drop out, that would apply you'd have bring people in too. Yeah. So thre- I mean like threshold. How much you want to pay athletes? Okay. Yeah, but you can't you can't have a conference words, be where some, people are ooh. randomly dropping in and out every year. You need to have a set number of teams and an X number of teams in order to build a schedule. You need, you can't just have their colleges going, ah, you know what? We're out. Matt, how many, Matt, how many colleges are in, later they come back? How many colleges are in division one FCS? F, FCS or FBS? FBS. Sorry. FBS is 117, 116. It's 126 it's now. Um, yeah, okay, it's up to so every okay. year there are teams going out and in. <laughs> It's currently well, happening, dude. Idaho just dropped yeah. down to Big Sky. 
yes, I'm saying I understand that, but I'm saying you can't have it be quite as dynamic like you're talking about. Why not? And, and revenue based, there's got to be a, there's got to be a set salary cap or salary, you know, set you know rate. Okay, you you Good make luck minimum with the union wage. on that. Period. And and you make minimum some, wage. You, know? you need to have some rules. You need to have some semblance of order to even form How a conference. How do you say there's no I mean, that's, rules? That's what a conference is. And these these colleges make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they the could players should play. benefit off that, and they should get every darn dollar they can get. I, hopefully, I, one day, well, hopefully one day I, I, the I, silent assassin will make some money. We should talk about him. <laughs> actually, we are running. We are actually running out of time. One. Yes, yeah, I was going to say one, one other point. Even the Yankees, who I mean, there has not been a more dominant. A force in any major sport in in the world than the Yankees uh, from 1921 through 1962. Yeah. 30, okay? 30 world championships, even, even, best in sports. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even they had to abide by some set of rules um, that their peers forced them to, to play by. So you have to have some sort of rules put in place you can't just pay these these athletes whatever, and especially given your point that you made over and over again. The revenue's got to come from somewhere. Yep. Uh, even though even the richest, let's just say Alabama is, which I don't think is actually true. I think it's Texas, but it's Texas. Um, by a mile. Even, even Texas has financial limits, and so um, you know, and Texas doesn't want to have a conference of two with them and Alabama playing, you know, ten times a year. I mean. You've got to have some other people in the conference. You've got to have some middle tier people. You've got to have some underdogs. Yeah, it'd be like 40 um, or 50 teams I mean, is my suggestion. Yeah. And so, I mean, but there's going to there's gonna have to be some sort of salary cap. There's going to have to be some upper limits on what you're playing, paying these players. And, you know, then I guess that will be the next evolution. But I don't think it's going to be as Wild Westy as you seem to think it is. Oh, here comes the Wild West, yeah, folks. It's post COVID. I don't think, I don't think Alabama is going to be dropping a million dollars on a player oh. here and a player there. Oh, okay? I bet you they you would know? if they could. They would <laughs> exactly. if they could, but I think I think there will be rules against that. All right, guys. There we, are enough colleges that say no. All right, guys. We got to get running here. I want to thank uh, Matt Page and I want to thank Brian the Soul Man Solak and Rich Michelson for joining us this week. Check us out next week. Check out all our great articles at Seattle Sports Union as well. Check us out on Facebook. Like us, in fact. And check us out on Twitter, at Seattle Sports U. See you guys next week. Shout out to LJ Newsome. <laughs>